So we've been looking at some of our favorite Christmas carols and studying the scripture behind them. We celebrated that on that holy night that Jesus broke through a weary world and brought a thrill of hope and a new and glorious morning. We've heard the invitation of, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, not because we are, but because those things are found in him. And today we're going to look at the cutest Christmas carol there is. Because it's normally sung, or can often be seen sung, by little children dressed as lambs. Away in the manger. Away in the manger, no crib for a bed. A little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky look down where he lay. Little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. This song was first published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. Now, there's controversy about who wrote the lyrics to this song. A lot of people think that it was Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation. But after more study, most people say that isn't actually who wrote it. And so there's a mystery of who wrote the lyrics to this amazing song. But regardless, this song has stood the test of time decade after decade. And it's funny, though, it's still not as old as Clarksburg Baptist Church. In fact, Clarksburg Baptist Church has been around longer than Christmas as a federal holiday. That didn't happen until 1870. It's always funny to me to like kind of put these things together. But it's important for us to remember that Jesus was born from a virgin as a baby, God in the flesh. But we also need to be careful that during this time of the year that we do not leave him as a baby. Away in the manger says the phrase little Lord Jesus three times in the song. And that's not wrong. He was born as an infant, but we need to be careful that we don't leave him as a six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, right? He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is Lord. 740 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as Lord. Perhaps the most famous one is in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a savior, which is Christ, the Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we use that word a lot. We hear that word a lot. But a Lord is someone that has power, authority, influence, a master, a ruler. How many of y'all really enjoy being controlled? That's like your favorite thing in the world. How many of y'all like that? Yeah, no, nobody likes that, right? That's not fun. How many of y'all are okay with giving over control? There's many of you that will not let someone else drive on a trip, right? Because you have a certain way that you want to go in a certain speed, and you just cannot sit there in the passenger seat and give someone else over control. Or maybe you're that person in your family that will not give control over to the, uh, for the remote, right? No, you're going to watch what you want to watch. Or maybe it's picking the restaurant. You're the one that always got to do it, right? We don't like being controlled. 
But Jesus, if he is Lord of our lives, that means we're supposed to follow him and give him control and let him lead. And if Jesus is Lord, that means we let him tell us how to structure our marriage. And if Jesus is Lord, we listen to how he wants us to parent. If Jesus is Lord, then we keep our mouths shut when we want to say something that we shouldn't say. And we just think, oh, it's just going to feel so good if I could just say this. And so we do it, and then we regret it. But if Jesus is Lord, we're going to put our opinion to the side to please him. And if Jesus is Lord, then we don't serve money, we serve Jesus and if Jesus is Lord, then it's not about my, uh, my accomplishments, my recognition, but it's about me following him and lifting up his name. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And you might be kind of shaking your head inside. Yes, I know that. I understand that. And that sounds good until we actually have to give up control. All that sounds good until I have to put my spouse in front of myself, right? That sounds good until I have to discipline my children instead of just being their buddy. When I have to say no to something that really I don't care about and don't think is that big of a deal, but the Bible says to stay away from. He is Lord sounds good until I just have to say something, even though it's motivated by anger and bitterness and jealousy and pride. Jesus is Lord sounds good until I have to love my enemy and forgive someone 490 times. A Lord is someone that has power, authority, influence, a master, a ruler. But we want to be Lord. We want to sit on the throne of our lives. Jesus is too patient, right? Jesus is not a man of action. He just lets things happen to him. He lets people accuse him. Jesus is too loving. He's too forgiving. And we want to say, let me show you how to do it, Jesus. Did you ever get a present for a child that you really wanted to play with? Right? I remember getting Noah like a drone or a remote control car. I'm like, hey, bud, let me show you how to do it. It was really just an excuse for me to play with it. And we love to take the remote out of Jesus' hands. And then we crash the drone into a tree. And then we look over at Jesus and say, why did you let that happen? Hey, you want to know if you have control issues? What do you do when things go wrong on a holiday? What happens when the turkey is overdone and dry? What happens when Uncle Al forgets the ice? What happens when little Jimmy gets grass stained somehow in the middle dead of winter when you're supposed to be taking Christmas pictures? What happens when things aren't just like you want them to be? We don't like to feel out of control. You don't want to give control over to someone else. You don't want to surrender to do something someone else's way. The American church is full of casual Christians that just take the parts of Jesus that they want and ignore the rest. Yeah, I'll take heaven. That sounds awesome. Forgiveness? Yeah, give me all of that you got. Oh, give me that big helping of love and acceptance. Holiness? No, thanks. Sacrifice? Uh-uh, that's not any fun. Surrender? 
I don't think so. See, Jesus is our personal Savior, but he is not our personalized Savior. Craig Rochelle says that. Jesus is our personal Savior, not our personalized Savior. We don't get to pick and choose. He's either Lord of all or not at all. And I dare to say some of us in this room or listening online are frequent church growers, and we believe in God. But when it comes to living life outside the walls of the church, God is not present at all. You believe in God for one hour on a Sunday morning. But functionally and practically, you live like there is no God. Functionally and practically, you might be an atheist. Our actions show what we really believe. The Bible says it this way, faith without works is dead. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus tells us about the Beatitudes, and then he tells them to love their enemies, not to judge and condemn people. And then he tells them a, a genuine and a healthy fruit tree is going to bear fruit. It gives them all this big, long sermon, right? All this wisdom. And after all of that, he stops, and he says this in Luke chapter 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I don't know if after all this deep and hard teaching, Jesus sensed in them that they were saying it was a good teaching, but they had no intention of doing it. Great sermon, Jesus. Man, I really like that. Love your enemies. Wow, Jesus, I like that. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Don't condemn people. Instead, forgive them. That's catchy. I'm going to write that one down. But Jesus stops them. He says, look, I just unloaded all this stuff on you. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you to do? How about we say it this way, right? What use is it to know God's word and not to do it? Why do you come and listen to church or come and participate in church with no intentions on ever changing? What good is knowing the gospel without living it out and without letting it change you? And then he goes on to tell that story about the wise man building his house in the rock and the foolish man building his house in the sand. I think we think of that foolish man as someone that like stands against God, right? That he doesn't want any part of God, like an atheist, someone that's against God. But that's not what it says. In Luke 6, 49, Jesus says, But the one who hears and does not do them, does not do these things, is like a man who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and that ruin of the house was great. This is a person who's listened to God's word, who knows God's word, but someone that doesn't obey. This is a person who has knowledge but hasn't given up control to Jesus. This could be you. But everyone who hears the words of God and does them is like a wise man that builds his house on the rock. Maybe that's what you wanted to be, right? Maybe you had great intentions to build your marriage on the words of Jesus. Maybe you had great intentions to parent like the Bible tells us to. Maybe you had the best intentions to not let your judgy, complaining, critical flesh take over your life. We got impatient, and we took back control, 
And now our life is sitting on quicksand. What you might need this morning is for a wrecking ball to come through your life so that you can rebuild on the rock, the rock of knowing the words of Jesus and doing them. So you can call him Lord, Lord, all you want. But if you don't do what he says, then he isn't Lord of your life. That might mean, you know, that that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to heaven. But the Bible does say it does mean you're foolish. But how do we make sure the story that starts with little Lord Jesus turns into mighty Lord Jesus in our life? Well, here's a good start in Luke 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Have you ever been going somewhere and you know that you went like absolutely not the best way and you'd make a wrong turn or there's traffic and and you're like, man, I should have went a different direction. I should have went a way that was straight at the thing I was trying to go to. Some of our lives feel that way, right? When we look back over it, man, I took a lot of detours. I made a lot of mistakes. And here it says, if we'll trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, that means I'm going to trust what God's word says and not lean on what I think. And if in all my ways I'll acknowledge him, then he will make my road straight. He'll make my path straight. Giving over control takes trust. The word in Hebrew for trust means to lie down. When you lie down on your bed, you trust it, right? Yeah, you might like have to make sure your feet are under the covers or else a spider's going to get them or something like that. But you trust that that bed is going to hold you through the night. The National Park Service tells us that if a bear's ever chasing you, to lie down and be quiet. Imagine the trust that you have to have in the National Park Service, right? Or in the benevolence of a bear. I'm going to lie down and I'm going to be okay and I'm going to trust that things are going to be all right. But we can trust and should trust the Lord with all we are, with all of our being. And when your way contradicts God's way, you trust that my way is wrong and that my way is going to lead to pain. And you trust God's way to be the right way. Where do you turn when you need help? That's what you're trusting in. Whatever that thing is, instead turn to Jesus. In all your ways, make Jesus Lord and recognize him as your master, and he will not lead you astray. He will make your paths straight. But most of us are stuck in like, in some of my ways, I'll acknowledge him. I'll follow him on the parts that make sense. The parts that I like, the parts that are socially acceptable, the parts that are easy for me to agree with. Why do you call him Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that he tells you? The Lord Jesus deserves our complete surrender. We're almost done, but not yet. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes right now, though. I'm going to take a minute and just think. Just look over your life. What thing in your life is not surrendered? Christ your Lord? What thing is the Holy Spirit 
been working on your life and you just haven't given up control. And if you're honest, it's because that you don't trust God. Maybe it's your future. You have it planned out just right and there's no way you're giving up control of that. Maybe the Bible says something's wrong, but you're not so sure. And it's uncomfortable to think that maybe that thing is wrong. Maybe it's a friendship or a relationship that you know is hurting you spiritually. Maybe it's a habit that you've not given over to control to God. It might not even be sin, but it started to control your life and it has your worship, it has your attention. Maybe it's your relationship with money or sex or comfort. What area of your life is Jesus not Lord of? Maybe I didn't mention your specific thing. Take a second. Let's think about it. God, bring up in our heart right now something that we have not surrendered to you. you can look up here the truth is and you know this to be true the truth is is the reason we haven't given up that thing is because we don't trust that God's way is better it's the lie that Adam and Eve believed all the way back at the beginning the devil said the Lord didn't really say that he's trying to keep you away from something good And that thing that we're holding on to and won't surrender to God is because we ultimately believe that he doesn't want what's best for us in that area. And you think that God will try and hold you back from something good. But when God removes something from our life, it is for our good. Trust in the Lord. But it doesn't make sense. That's even better. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understandings. The Bible tells us our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can even know it? He wants to make your crooked path straight. You've tried things your way, right? You know that you can't be trusted. You know that you're going to make mistakes where things uh, make sense and you have all these excuses why this thing is good, but ultimately it bites you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He wants to make your crooked path straight. All right, Pastor Phil, why are you talking about this on Christmas Sunday, right? Now, some of us only pay attention to the Lord Jesus on Christmas Sunday. Ooh, bird. And because I love you, and I want you to see, I want to see you trust the Lord and for God to make your life straight. I don't want to see you go through the detours and the pain and the hurt. And God doesn't want to see that either. Because there's a scary side to this as well. The Bible tells us we might just be calling Jesus Lord. We might just be saying that we're a Christian, but really we're not. We might even have ourselves tricked. Matthew 7, 21. 
Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty, uh, many mighty works in your name? This is some of the saddest words in the Bible. And Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's some bone-chilling stuff right there. There are church people that are, are going to go to hell because they're just playing the part. There are Christians that we know that one day God will look at and say, I never knew you. And that's sad and that's scary. But it's so much easier just to give up control and to trust the Lord rather than just play the part because you're too proud to say I'm not who I've said I am. And this is further proof that our works don't save us, right? You can have all these lists of things that you've done. I've gone to church for 40 years. I've been a deacon. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've done this and I've done that. And, and these people are saying that. They say, look, I've, I've called you Lord my whole life and everybody in the community knows that I'm a Christian. And he will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Can you go back to a time and a place where you were genuine? You weren't putting on an act. No one was looking. It wasn't about who saw you. And you understood that you needed someone outside of yourself to save you from yourself. You knew that you needed a savior to save you from the penalty of your sin. And you put your trust in Jesus as the only way to get a relationship with God. Where? Did that happen? When did that happen? And what has happened since? Was that just a little prayer that you prayed as a child? Or is there a following of Jesus? That's called repentance. When we turn away from our way and we turn to God's way. And yes, we're going to fall and we're going to sin over and over again. But ultimately we realize that I'm trusting in something outside of myself. And his name is Jesus. Or have you just been calling him Lord, Lord, but you never really knew him? What better gift this Christmas than to give Jesus your whole entire heart and get that settled today once and for all. Jesus paid it all. See, that first Christmas, Jesus may have been little, but he was still Lord. And don't reduce him to some little cute thing that sits on a shelf. He is the master, the creator of everything. And one day, if we reject him, people will be judged for that rejection. But you don't have to go through that. Because Jesus took that judgment on himself. So stop holding on to your goodness. Because the Bible says our goodness is filthy rags. It's nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything. But Jesus paid it all. And that's the gift that's extended to you today. Don't hold on to something else. Don't hold on to your goodness or to your reputation. And don't let pride keep you from running to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're all that I have. See, that, 
baby didn't stay a baby. That manger led to a cross. And that Savior laid down his life in our place. And Christmas is all about the cross. Someone said a thousand times in history a baby has become king. But only once did a king become a baby. Way in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where they lay. Little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. But that Jesus is the king of kings. That Jesus is the Lord of lords. And he deserves all of your obedience and all of your trust. Trust him today. Have you committed to follow him with your life? Are you really a follower of Jesus? Or do you just have a little name associated with you? I'm a Christian. That's just one of the many things that I am. Are you trusting in him? If you trust in him, you're going to do what he says. Don't just call him Lord, Lord, and do not do what he says. Are you building your life on him? If not, it's time to knock all of that stuff down. And this Christmas, build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Even if that means you have to start over. You got to have a firm foundation. And every habit and action and word that doesn't look like him, be willing to throw out. But that's my personality. Well, if it's bad, then it's not what a Christian ought to be. You need to trust him. Because he deserves it. Jesus is Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lydia's going to come and lead us in worship again. I know this isn't your typical Christmas message. That's okay because the typical Christmas message is probably too fluffy. Because this isn't just a tradition. This isn't just nostalgia, there's a real message here that changed everything. And there is hope in Jesus this morning. And if you're one of those foolish people that is calling him Lord, Lord, but doesn't do what he says, that's bad for you. And the truth is you need to change things. And it wouldn't be loving to just let you go through this Christmas season continuing to base your life on something that's foolish. See, the good news is only good news because without the good news, it's bad news. gospel is the good news that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain and he washed me white as snow. You need to check your heart this morning and make sure that you're not basing your whole life on something that wasn't true. And your whole life's not just an act about making yourself look like the good Christian that everybody thinks you are but rather is based on a real following of Jesus. We're not saved by works, but our works are evidence that our salvation is real and genuine.
probably one or two of two people in this room today. One, you haven't yet made that leap and put all your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Why don't you do that right now? We all know that we're sinners. We all know that that we sin against God and reject His way and choose our way. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. No matter how far you've gone, no matter how long you've put on an act, Jesus wants to welcome you home like the father of the prodigal son. He will open his arms and he is ready to take you in as part of his family. Run to Jesus. Don't be shamed. Don't feel guilt. We're all in the same boat and that boat is sinking, but Jesus is the savior. He's the rescuer. Run to him today. Or maybe you're like me, that second one. That's constantly having to tear down things in my heart that I've built that are not in obedience to Jesus Christ. It's called sanctification. It's gradually looking at our heart and saying, is this something God's built or is this something I've built? And if it's not founded on Jesus, then it's founded on sinking sand and it will hurt me. When the storms come. Don't just coast through this Christmas season. Use it as a time to really meditate and focus on where you need to give over uh, surrender and control. And make Jesus Lord in that area in your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's not holding you back from something that's good. He's keeping you from something that's hurting you. We're going to sing here in just a second. First, I'm going to pray. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior yet. You haven't become a follower of Jesus, really, uh, or truly. Maybe everybody else in this room would say, yeah, they've got it. They, they've been here forever. Don't let that stop you. Don't worry about humbling yourself. It's not a big deal. There's not a person in this room that wouldn't be excited if you finally decided to get that right. You need to understand you're a sinner. You need to understand that there's a penalty for that sin in a place called hell. You need to understand that Jesus paid that price. You need to call on him. Trust in him with all that you are. and Let go of everything else you're holding on to. Repent and turn from your sins. Put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Why don't you do that right now? Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I pray you make this a Christmas, uh, 2021, that we will never forget. Not because of a silly sermon or, or anything like that, God, but because it was the year that we made you Lord of our life. And every little area that we take back, we try and conquer again and take back over control, I pray you help us to wave the right flag in every single one of those areas and surrender back to you your way. God, help us to trust your word. If there's anybody here, Lord, does not know you, God, I pray that you would draw them to you right now, putting aside all their fear and all their doubt, and choose you right now. In your name we pray.